0: Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast, where the best in the business bring you the best in fitness, nutrition, wellness, and overall, making you the best athlete of all time. We're host, Coach P, and his fellow coaches, Kayla, Destiny, Jen, and Ian take you on a path to greatness. Let's get on with our guest and let's have a great time. Let's roll. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone has had a Great, great start to this week. Coach P's here bright and early in the morning, trying to get into a new routine lately. You know, as as more and more responsibilities keep falling on my lap with research and coaching, it's just been absolute blast. But I just got to find time for things. And I've been really, really, really getting into the early morning grinds. And I got to tell you, though. Setting yourself up with a good mindset, routines first thing in the morning, and then getting a good workout in is probably the best thing you can do to just kickstart your day. As far as being productive, being able to get your most out of the day, keeping you focused, and just getting things done, I find it is an absolute game changer when it comes to doing this. Uh, and I absolutely promote it for absolutely everyone who's trying to make the most of their time throughout the day and be able to be as focused in getting the things that they need to get done. When you start your day off with the hardest thing, you're more likely to continue conquering throughout the day. All right. With that being said, I'm going to take a sip of coffee and we're going to get into our topic for today. And it's a good one for you all. You ready? (gasps) All right. That's good coffee. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Today is going to be a masterclass in all things building muscle for the legs and the glutes. This was inspired to me uh, quite recently when we finally saw that a research study came out that said that, wait for it, drum roll, bing, glute hip thrusts are no better than squats when it comes to building the glutes. And I think we all knew this for a very, very long time, although we were getting kind of skeptical of, you know, this variation of that glute hip thrust versus this particular deadlift exercise versus this particular squat. And for a long time, Dr. Brett Contreras, who is the overarching godfather of the glute hip thrust, would claim over and over again that the glute hip thrust from its stretch position is the most beneficial exercise when it comes to EMG recording activity of activation of muscle tissue in engaging the gluteus maximus and all other heads of the glutes in order for optimal development without overdeveloping the quads. However, recent research has come out to show comparing the two there is absolutely no difference between the emphasis that can occur in activating the gluteus maximus when it comes to comparing a barbell glute hip thrust and a barbell squat, especially from that lower stretched position. So for all of our zealots out there, who have been nonstop preaching about the glute hip thrust, me included, is actually no different than doing regular barbell squats. Does this say that the glute hip thrust is in no place worth it at all when it comes to your exercise routines? Absolutely not. It is definitely a valuable exercise and you should have a variety of exercises when it comes to getting the most out of your exercise programming. However, it was interesting to see and finally have this come out where you all, it was kind of funny to see this on Instagram because a lot a lot of fitness industry individuals came out and we're starting to knock Brett Contreras, saying, "Yep, that's what we always knew." Ha ha ha! But you know, give some credit to Brett Contreras. As as much as uh, an individual as he is on social media, pondering these types of things all the time, that glute hip thrust was the absolute best, and marketing on that, hey, sales works. Um, and so, but when it comes to today's overall lesson, I want to dive into what the overall best exercises are going to be for building your legs and getting that. Lower body aesthetic that you've always been looking for. And we have to start by going through just the basics of muscular hypertrophy. Without going throughout the basics of how to actually break down muscle tissue and actually incite muscle hypertrophy signals, you're not going to make any progress at all, especially if you don't have any type of significant programming when it comes to your periodization plan. And then what you're doing when you're going into the gym, and so remember that we've talked about this before on our podcast multiple times. The three absolute things that you need when it comes to building muscle are mechanical load, muscular tension, and muscle damage. These are the three things seen by Brad Schoenfeld when he when you compile all the research as the top three things that need to occur in order to incite muscular hypertrophy. So when it comes to mechanical load, there needs to be an increase in the weight demand being placed on the muscle over time throughout a program. This is most often achieved when you have a good progressive overload of your strength training program and you're taking the weight up every time you're hitting your target rep range. This can be achieved during any type of exercise with any type of style of periodization and is a basic function and principle that should be a foundation in anyone's strength and conditioning program. The next thing is is muscular tension. (laughs) Excuse me. Muscular tension must also be a part of the equation where over time you're progressively overloading the time under tension that the muscle is placed upon, such as manipulating the tempo or the speed of your repetitions. We know that when you slow down, in particular, the eccentric portion of your exercises of the reps, that you cause and incite even more muscular damage, which just so happens to be that third component of muscular hypertrophy. And when you continue to manipulate tension over time, you can get more out of that hypertrophic response. And it's this time under tension that will also kind of separate the difference between training for muscular hypertrophy gains versus training for strength and power or training for muscular endurance. And so when it comes to this uh, time under tension for muscular hypertrophy purposes, tends to be anywhere from one second on the positive and anywhere from three to four seconds on the eccentric contraction with a short period of an isometric contraction as well well. Um, and so you can go back and forth between the different camps on this topic, whether how long you should hold or how long you should you know, be at the top of the repetition, so on and so forth. Um, but as long as there is a manipulation of that time under tension, that will be one of the major signals that is going to relate to muscular hypertrophy. And then that overall third principle of being muscular damage, where you must be causing some sort of damage that's going to send the signal for the body to repair muscle tissue is also one. One of the things that is most important when it comes to muscular hypertrophy. And we can see this occur with any type of strength training modality program. This can even be achieved with simple bodyweight exercises, showing that according to any type of modality, as long as there is some sort of progressive overload where you continue to challenge yourself, any modality can be utilized to help build muscle. So when it comes to building your legs, including these three factors in your consideration when creating your programming or working with your coach, is going to be absolutely essential when it comes to getting the most out of that program. Now, let's talk about how to build the muscles of the legs. These are your tree trunks. These are what's going to help keep you strong and help keep you stable, help keep you functional, especially later on in life. There's even more research supporting now that leg strength is one of the most important indicators for your health span and longevity. Remember, health span... is different from lifespan and that health span is the total amount of time you spend during your life where you're of high quality health when it comes to your health. And so we are starting to find more and more that yes, lots of research has come out that has confirmed that the higher your VO2 max when it comes to your aerobic capacity and your ability to consume oxygen is very, very important and is the gold standard of your fitness and that the higher it is, the more resilient you are towards absolutely every cause of death. But now we can even add a second factor. Factor to that list where leg strength is damn near just as important when it comes to health, longevity and increasing your health span. Think of it logically. You need to be strong in order to be able to be functional, in order to move, in order to take care of yourself, in order to be able to do basic tasks throughout your daily life. This becomes especially important as we age. And as we age, we know that we are very susceptible to a condition called sarcopenia, which is the decrease in muscle mass over time as we age due to endocrine changes in in the body, due to age-related changes and wear and tear cognitive tissue and, and overall health uh, health systems in general. And so it becomes very, very important that we do activities that signal to the body to keep muscle around. Number one thing being strength training. Muscular health is starting to become more and more shining in the light now with its connections with muscle being connected to very many types of diseases, especially those involved with mitochondrial dysfunction. And there is almost not one disease that is not connected to issues with your mitochondria, and it can all be tied back to your muscular health. These are things like metabolic disease, cardiovascular disease, dementia, and even certain neurological diseases can be tied back to this as well. And so it's very, very important that we understand that your muscle health is an key important factor when it comes to your overall health and longevity. So although cardiovascular training is super important and should be a staple in your program, strength training is also something that should be across your repertoire. Now, Let's talk about building those legs. And so when it builds those legs, just like anything else, you're gonna need volume. You're gonna need stimulation and overall consistency, all right? As long as you are consistent, a bad program still somewhat works, all right? We talk about this all the time, all right? It's the lack of consistency where you not see results. And what we know from the majority of research coming out now, and Dr. Andy Galpin will talk about this, is that once you've built muscle, it doesn't take much to maintain it. It usually takes anywhere, From one to two sessions per week to maintain muscular size. However, when it comes to things like muscular strength, you need to send the signal a little bit more often because muscular strength can be seen as a skill. As we look at neuromuscular adaptation that comes from strength, when we lift as much weight as possible to activate the most motor units that innervate higher threshold muscle fibers, this is potentially a skill. You have to send that signal over and over again more consistently to uphold that activation. And so this is when it comes to things like development of power and speed and technical instruction of improving a golf swing or a baseball swing when you see pro athletes or even when someone shoots a basket. This is all neuromuscular adaptation. This is all things that require motor neuron firing patterns that occur very, very often. And you will lose that emphasis, that that efficiency of those skills, the more time you go without doing them. And so this is why there's also a difference. in the female. Types between individuals who do these types of activities versus other types of athletes. And so when it comes to strength, strength must be practiced. It must be consistently done in order to maintain that strength. Now, luckily, when it comes to neurological adaptation, it's easy to get back very, very quickly because muscle memory is definitely a thing, but you must be consistent with it to get it at its most optimized level. All right. Let's dive into the exercises now. And so I am a big, big fan of understanding that there are multiple ways of stimulating muscle growth and multiple modalities that work for everyone. And as long as you are choosing what works for you at that given time, then you can get the most out of that exercise for sure. And so we can start very, very basic with My absolute favorites, which are always going to be barbell compound lifts for building the legs. These are going to be things like my absolute favorite, the king, the barbell squat. There's going to be right behind it, the barbell deadlift. And then we get even further down the line when we do barbell split squats, barbell lunges, reverse lunges, you name it all the way down the line. And so let's start by doing multiple body parts here, starting with your major compound lifts. You do get more bang for your buck when it comes to the amount of muscle mass that you engage when you do these high threshold exercises that include the barbell squat and the barbell deadlift. For years, I have made this a staple in my programming and the majority of my clients' programming, when it comes to my approach to helping people get strong and helping people build muscle, I definitely attest this to uh, a good friend of mine and coach a long time ago, Dr. Robert Santana, who shined the light in my eyes when it came to lifting properly and lifting heavy in order to get myself challenged to be able to adapt and get better. And there was, during that time period where he coached me, where I found out that, hey, I haven't been lifting right for a long time. Uh, and it really came down to technique instruction and just overall consistency in learning the overall principles of progressive overload. Now, does that mean that the barbell squat and the deadlift are the end-all be-all? Absolutely not. There are definitely many other exercises and variations of those exercises that also deemed to be very, very worthy. And so when you're doing the barbell squat and deadlift, they function on a very similar pattern, albeit a little bit different, but target the same muscle groups, including the glutes, your hamstrings, and the quads. And you can pretty much think about every compound exercise you do for your legs, that's what you're going to hit. Now, doing squats more than likely will always be more quad dominant than the majority of your exercises. But know, especially as due to current research, that you will still get great development out of your glutes when doing the squats and or the deadlifts. I especially really enjoy the deadlifts for most individuals as well due to that overall functional power being able to pick something up heavy from the ground with good stable form, especially as it places that axial loading onto the spine. And so it becomes very, very, beneficial exercises to do. Now, they are very technical compared to most exercises, and many variations exist in order for people to get the most out of these basic functional exercises, and that's when we can start getting into more unilateral exercise movements, such as a barbell split squat, and this is, not, this is different from Bulgarian split squats, which are very, very common and very, very popular on social media. Barbell split squats are simply being in a stationary staggered stance with one leg forward with the other one behind, and it can also function as a very, very very great exercise for lower body uh, energy production and overall stimulation to muscle mass. And honestly, it's very, very rare nowadays to see individuals just do straight up barbell split squats with with stationary with two legs on the ground as a closed-chained exercise and can be a very, very beneficial way to change up the emphasis of its effect on the body. So Give it old school try to barbell split squats and you might find that you'll be humbled very quickly. Once again targeting the same muscle groups of the glutes, hamstrings and overall the quads. And then you can get into other variations of split squats which tend to be more even more challenging, particularly the Bulgarian split squats which are very very common nowadays in the gym. Depending on how you emphasize the position of your hips and where your and the and the angle of your spine can make it so that your low the hips a little bit more. And so what we tend to see with the majority of our exercises, and you see this with barbell squats as well, that when you get more of less of a vertical alignment with your spine and leaning over a little bit more to almost a 65 to 45 degree angle, that you tend to load the hips a little bit more biomechanically, which can result in greater emphasis of utilizing those hips and targeting those glutes, especially when you're utilizing dumbbell exercises and you can allow yourself to put more time under tension when performing. Performing these exercises, these make Bulgarian split squats very, very beneficial in allowing you to slow down the tempo and be able to put lots of emphasis on the particular areas that you're trying to target. They're also very humbling in that they are a unilateral exercise and require a great degree of stability, particularly control from your glute medius, core, and other hip stabilizers such as your adductors, and keeping your hips in place throughout the entirety of the movement. And this is a benefit overall when it comes to utilizing single-legged exercises. And I find oftentimes that after people have spent a great degree of time doing nothing but bilateral exercises, that doing single-legged exercises can reveal where they might have potential related imbalances or instability issues or simple lack of weakness due to the fact that they haven't been targeting those lagging smaller areas that are so important when it comes to the amount of force production and stability that's needed when doing exercises that require translational movements or effort from different planes of motion. And so it becomes very, very important to have a good variety of exercises and consider choosing unilateral exercises for your programming. Bulgarian split squats are at mono my absolute favorites. And I've even known uh, several colleagues and strength and conditioning coaches of mine uh, who, that I've worked with in the past and to become friends with have even elected to choose Bulgarian split squats over doing barbell squats and their strength and conditioning programming in the NCAA for the purpose of injury prevention, because it's much easier to load these types of exercises, particularly in athletes who are at high risk of particular related injuries. You can also consider this with individuals who have those spinal related injuries and can be a really, really great exercise to uh, keep from, la- from loading the axial spine and be able to still get a lot of development out of their legs. So give Bulgarian split squats a, uh, a shot. You won't regret it at all. You can also do very many variations and similar motor patterns when you do things like walking lunges or even stationary lunges are also beneficial in this way as well. One of my big bread and butters when I was a kid, particularly in high school, was doing walking lunges nonstop. And most people really love walking lunges. It is still a staple in most people's program. The cool thing about walking lunges is you can vary how you position yourself and the weight itself to put more of an emphasis on other areas. For example, If you're utilizing walking lunges and utilizing dumbbells, for example, you can do either the same side dumbbell, you can have dumbbells on both sides, or you can have it on the opposite side. And Doing so will emphasize the exercise in a different way and cause your body to have to compensate and stabilize more so depending on how you're positioning that weight. It can offer a different challenge and a different requirement for recruiting those lower threshold stabilizing muscles that are so important that oftentimes go underutilized. And so it can be a really useful tool and not only creating variety in your programming, but also giving novelty to allow your to allow your leg exercises to be able to continue to grow, to continue to overcome plateaus. And so, find these really, really awesome when it comes to changing up the variations on these types of uh, exercises. Other exercises you can do now is so is going backwards. My particular choices in this direction are going to be things like reverse lunges, and reverse lunges are very peculiar in that they not only utilize your hips and your quadriceps like any other uh, compound leg movement, but they also encourage more of your adductors to engage into the exercise. And what goes unnoticed in many people's programming is, in my experience, is not enough people will actually target the adductors. Now, Stereotypically, you'll see, you know, in the old days, many people did nothing but doing the adductor exercises at the gym with the with the hip adductor machine, pulling the weights together, um, which is very very common, particularly among our lady population. I rarely see guys doing them, but honestly, this is a very functional muscle that needs to be developed and needs to be targeted more. It is actually weakness in the adductors that I find usually results in many people's instability of the hips and issues when it comes to overall gait, power production, and potential imbalances. And so when it comes to targeting those adductors, whenever we're coming up from behind that way, the adductor is actually utilized during hip extension and will commit a lot of innervation when you're doing things that involve hip extension forward. That Includes your squats and that includes your deadlifts, and so especially when you rotate and externally rotate uh, your femurs out to 45 degrees, and you can do this just by pointing your feet out 45 degrees, and you can get that extra hip adductor engagement, which is why oftentimes, if you've taken a break off from training and you go do squats, and you're someone who has to naturally externally rotate your feet like that, you will find that you will get a lot more engagement out of those adductors. Usually, be usually becomes the first thing that soars hell when you come back the next day. And you're walking around going, oh, my God, what's that Selena Gomez song? Oh, yeah, like I'm just waddling side to side, whatever it is. (laughs) Anyway, all right, moving forward. And so the adductors are definitely a often missing component in many people's programmings that I always, always recommend. And what a lot of people don't understand, the adductors make up the bulk of the musculature of your leg. And so this should be one of the major areas that you develop, especially when it comes to overall basic function and eliminating imbalances. And you can target these from multiple positions, whether they're lengthened or whether they're standing up doing basic movements, such as doing reverse lunges. Other ways you can hit your adductors are doing exercises, such as a Cossack squat or a lateral lunge is fantastic for putting the adductors into a lengthened position and strengthening the eccentric component and contraction of that particular muscle group is very, very beneficial. Other ways are doing isometrics or very basic concentric holds and isometric holds. For all those out there who I've coached and who are listening to this now, they know exactly the exercise that I always put into my individual's programming that everybody hates gets on me for, but it's an absolute game changer when it comes to improving the isometric sta- uh, static strength and overall capabilities of your adductors. And that is the Copenhagen plank. And the Copenhagen plank is a great exercise that you can set up on any type of bench or elevated surface where, or surface where you put your leg on top and you're squeezing your adductors together in order to get that activation and bringing those legs up together. And this is great, absolute game changer for putting extra energy emphasis on your adductors and building such a specialized muscle that needs more attention. All right, let's continue to go forward. And of course, when it comes to developing the overall legs, we can't forget one of the bread and butters that we started with all at the beginning of our programs. And that's the leg press. And the leg press is also a great exercise that once again, targets the same muscle groups as a, as a squat or a deadlift, those quads, those hammies, and those glutes. And can be a great place to start for individuals who have trouble getting below parallel. And it is also a very easy way to add volume to your workouts as well when it comes to building building those legs and can offer a great degree of variations when it comes to creating your programs. The next best part about the leg press is you can do it in a unilateral fashion as well. There have been many uh, iterations of the leg press that have come out over the years. My favorite's always been just the standard 45 degree sled leg press where you can really just go ham on maximizing as much weight as possible from a bilateral fashion. But there have been many variations over the years. I remember uh, when I was at Penn State working for Penn State uh, Strength and Fitness a long time ago back in my, undergrads where we actually had a unilateral like press where there was, and it was made by hammer strength. It was a very unique machine. I haven't seen it since, um, since I've been back, but they where they literally had the separate panels for each of your legs that you could isolate one side over the other. And this was really, really great for you know tackling imbalances and emphasizing one leg over the other. And so doing these types of variations can be very, very beneficial in giving you a different spin on getting the same emphasis from a different exercise. Um, so great, great considerations, leg presses. I usually recommend leg like presses for those who are beginning, uh, who are have issues with the range of motion and need ways to be able to learn how to get below parallel the best that they can and be able to develop force. Um, and so it becomes a usually great beginner staple in a lot of people's programs. And is a very, very great way to add up volume when you need more volume for the purpose of building those legs and getting some muscular hypertrophy. All right. Let's move right along. When it comes to let's go, let's we'll, we'll leave the the fun stuff for a little bit later. Let's tackle those hamstrings now. And so, when it comes to the overall hamstring specifically, due to the fact that so many leg exercises are quad dominant, the hamstrings, just like the adductors, usually go underutilized in comparison. In my experience with most people's programming, and needs more direct emphasis, particularly due to the fact that we're now getting into this day and age where so many of us are sedentary and work from home, that the hamstrings don't don't. They don't get a lot of love and tend to be chronically tight in most people and weak in most people, and which can start to contribute to individuals having things like lower cross syndrome and posture-related issues and even back pain. And so some great ways to help develop the hamstrings are, of course, your common bread and butters, the lying and seated leg curls. Although these are the most simple versions of the exercises for these particular muscle groups, they are still beneficial. And not only can they be great from the potential of signaling more so emphasis over the other. And what I mean by that is when you do a lying leg curl, this is going to hit more of that lateral head of the, of, the, of the hamstrings, which is very beneficial from a lengthened position and simple contraction and getting the concentric work and putting in volume into building your hamstrings. Very standard, but a very beneficial exercise. When in fact, the seated leg curl, more information has come out now from and. Studies that is actually very very different and actually puts more emphasis on more of the medial side of your hamstrings, which will is usually an emphasis a part of your hamstrings which actually goes underutilized in most people and can also help with tibial internal rotation where a lot of people lack sometimes and so and this can be very very important and what we know from tibial rotation it is absolutely necessary to get proper pronation a healthy degree of pronation for proper dorsiflexion and so if you're someone who ankles are chronically tight, this could be a contributing factor to why it's very, very difficult for you to be able to get below parallel. And Strengthening your hamstrings from this position can be a beneficial exercise, not only from strengthening your hamstrings from that perspective, but also increasing your biomechanical Uh, function to be able to actually get your joints to the position that they need to be when performing functional exercises. And we know for, we know from just looking at lower cross syndrome related issues that your, your calves will be super tight and chronically tight if you lack, uh, the functional move, the functional that, oh my gosh, (laughs) the correct function that you need within your core musculature and your hips with having the correct center of gravity in order to take a lot of the emphasis and and brute force off of your uh, calves from having to stabilize to keep your body upright all day long. We'll talk about that uh, here in a second when we get down to your calves, but to put continued effort and emphasis on how to build your hamstrings, we can also do them from hip hinging exercises, which is one of the most preferred ways of strengthening your hamstrings from an eccentric perspective. And one of my favorite ways to do this is the old-fashioned RDL. The Roman deadlift is one of the best exercises to stretch the hamstrings in an eccentric way and lengthening them so that they'll be not only stronger, but will also, this, this is a way that you can also really, really help individuals that struggle with strains, particularly runners, um, because you put more emphasis on the eccentric contraction all the way to that lengthened position that the hamstring gets. Gets in during the gait cycle when someone is running. And so not only do RDLs help establish a proper hip hinge for most people, but also allow you to help prevent injury. And we're going to go over other variations of how you can do this as well. And so there's a thousand different ways to do RDLs from being able to do it with a barbell, being able to do it with dumbbells. You can do RDLs staggered into what's called a B stance, uh, an RDL where you'll utilize a dumbbell or a barbell and putting one leg a little bit further from the other one and putting all the emphasis on one aspect of your leg versus the other. This is also a great way to load the glutes as well as doing these types of RDLs. And then you can even even do unilateral RDLs, where you're literally taking a leg off the ground and putting all your emphasis not only on having to properly hip hinge, but also properly balance, which requires a great degree of stabilization to get the most out of this exercise as well, which I find most challenging for most of my athletes and even myself oftentimes when it comes to doing these types of exercises. Now, there is a big difference between the RDL and the mo- and a very common stiff-legged deadlift that a lot of people do as well. And a stiff-legged deadlift is is where you are keeping your legs completely straight when doing this exercise, whereas an RDL, you have a slight bend in your knees and all you're doing is hinging your hips back as you would during a squat and or a deadlift. And so I'm actually, in in my current practice, I get away from stiff-legged deadlifts just due to the fact that most people have trouble maintaining that spinal stability. I'm not saying it's not a functional exercise. It can be beneficial for individuals that have proper hip control and have good postural function and can maintain spine neutrality while doing so. And when doing so, can really put a great degree of stretch on the hamstring and be able to get good movement from it. However, I find in my practice, most people are unable to do this and can can potentially cause issues by having excessive rounding of the lumbar spine and could potentially cause injury. And so when it comes to a muscle building perspective on building your legs, this is not one that I usually keep in my repertoire. Um, But the RDL, in my opinion, is superior in giving you a little bit more emphasis and being able to teach someone how to have a proper hip hinge movement. And you can load it very, very easily for the purposes of muscle hypertrophy and building muscle and overall function. All right, let's start getting into other exercises as well. Very basic hamstring exercises that you can do. If you don't have access to any equipment, you can even do it with sliders on the floor or one of my classic favorites, the ball leg curl with a stability ball. And this is really, really great because not only can you develop your hamstrings from a position on the ground, but you can also integrate it with engaging engagement of the hips and getting your spine into a proper position and hip extension. And can be very, very beneficial in teaching the hamstrings to synchronize at the same time time as your core and your glutes in that hip extended position as well and becomes a very, very beneficial exercise for teaching people how to have good core stability and spine neutrality. And it's very, very basic and you can do it with very, very little equipment and overload it very easily by improving the time under tension that's placed on the exercise with very little load and has a great degree of recovery capacity in this exercise, meaning you can do it more often and recover from it more quickly compared to other exercises. All right. That does it for the hammies. Let's go down. We will get to those glutes. Don't you worry. All right. But let's head down to those calves. And so the calves don't get a lot of love. And we're going to talk about your lower limbs in general here because not only from a muscle building perspective, but from a functionality perspective, the proper having proper plantar flexion and dorsiflexion is very significant in your overall performance. Not only as an individual who wants to be healthy and wants to be fit, but from the position of overall athletic performance. If this is an area of yours that you have neglected for some period of time, your body will incur the consequences. And I know this because anecdotally speaking, this is what's happened to me over the years. And it's only been the recent five years that I've started to put in a lot more emphasis into this area due to previous injuries that I've had as an athlete. And so when it comes to your lower limbs, not only do we need to do exercises that do plantar flexion, such as simple calf raises, but also need to work on eversion and and inversion of your ankles and dorsiflexion. And these are particular movements that, usually go under highlighted in most individuals. And so when it comes to building your calves, yes, you can do this in numerous ways with power exercises, basic strength exercises with lower reps, but you can also do them hypertrophy style. You can do these off of a leg press doing stat, doing uh, straight legged calf raises. You can do this with a standing calf raise, which is actually becoming more and more rare um, in gyms that I find nowadays because most people just want to do them on a leg press. And so to save money, gym owners have just been getting leg presses for that. I'm not a big fan of that, but that tends to be the way that people are going. Uh, And Then you've got your standard seated uh, seated, um, calf raises, which do focus on a different head of the calves, in this case, the soleus, which is more important for stabilization than it is for overall power production, like your gastrocnemius, which is your horseshoe aspect muscle of your calves, both very, very important and both need individual emphasis. And so doing plantar, plantar flexion exercises are not only good for building up the musculature of your calves, but building up the overall function. However, if you want a full functioning ankle joint, then you need to make sure that you're doing the other three primary joint actions that includes inversion, eversion, and dorsiflexion. And inversion, eversion, you, you never really ever hear these because they're very, very basic, but also very, very difficult to target without the right type of equipment. Most people, if you're using, utilizing body weight and you're just doing this for mobility purposes, you'll see people do things on the ground, such as ABCs, where they literally carve out the A, Bs, and Cs all the way through the alphabet with their feet in order to help engage these smaller muscle groups. You can also do very, very light extended banded movements where you tie a band to a stationary position and you evert to the outside of your ankle. And then if you're doing inversion, you flip it around and you invert into the inwards, the medial side of your body. And both movements are very, very beneficial when it comes to controlling an optimal level of pronation and supination when it comes to the overall function of your ankle joint. But even more so than that, people, a lot of people in my, I practice uh, lack dorsiflexion, and this is your ability for your foot to come up towards your shin. This is very important for your ability to get low during a squat while maintaining proper spine neutrality. And this is a limiting factor in very, very many people. Damn near close to 90 to 95% of the people I've worked with have deficiencies in dorsiflexion. And this can be either caused by simple lack of flexibility in that area, either due to lack of addressing your mobility or flexibility. It can also be due to previous injuries. But another common way is the fact that your center of mass is shifted forward due to a lot of individuals coming down with lower cross syndrome from being in these sedentary positions. And until you reset your center of mass, it's gonna be very, very difficult for the your intrinsic ability of your cast to loosen up because what happens is is when you are when you have lower cross syndrome and your core does not do its job efficiently and your hips rotate forward via that excessive anterior pelvic tilt it intrinsically forces the cast to have to over stabilize to keep you from toppling over and keeping your body balanced and as a result your ankles become a little bit more chronically tight. So sometimes these individuals who suffer this way might actually have a harder time being able to improve the overall functionality and mobility of that joint down at the ankle because they need to center, their, they need to recenter their center of mass. And you can't do this with simple stretches of the calves. They'll feel better temporarily, but it'll come right back very, very quickly. And so we, this is why it also you know, create some problems for personal trainers who are trying to figure out how to best help their clients and a full assessment is needed to discover, is it an actual lack of flexibility at the ankles or do we have something going on at the hip related level? So a little sidetrack, you know, away from muscle hypertrophy, but also very, very important to consider when it comes to building the musculature of this area because of the body and how it's created in the kinetic chain checkpoints, every part of the body is going to affect the other. And so if you find that you lack development in this area, definitely needs more attention, but also remember that other aspects of your body might be impacting its development as well. And so the best way to help develop this, your dorsiflexors in this way are going to be old fashioned tibialis raises. And so these are the goofy exercises you might see people do at the gym where there are, They're posted up against a wall and they're bringing their toes all the way up to their shins, back and forth, back and forth. Very, very common in individuals who ran track in their younger years when their coaches instructed them to do this to keep them from developing shin splints. Although this is true, the primary function is also to ensure that they have a great degree and functionality of their joints by having a great degree of dorsiflexion. And so there have been more and more iteration of devices that have come out over the years to help you with dorsiflexion. When I was in Arizona, the basic way that I found before the Tibbar guy came out with his device was to take a kettlebell and put it over my toes on my shoe, stand on an elevated surface with a couple weight plates and simply let the kettlebell fall and then pull it back up again. And so, and this helped for a while, um, but the biggest problem ends up being is when you try to load it over time, the kettlebell gets harder and harder and harder to stabilize on your foot. Luckily, they've come out with devices now that will actually help you load this exercise with weight plates, and you can do this with an actual double-foot hammer strength tibialis raise, which is a really, really expensive exercise uh, uh, device, but you can get one. And then there's an even more affordable now where the tip guy on social media has come out with his own device that does both feet or a single foot uh, exercise as well. And this is actually something I just invested in over Prime Day uh, because there is no other exercise like it uh, or device that you can do where you can put one little weight plate or a dumbbell on the device, strap it to one leg at a time, and be able to get full functioning stretch from a lengthened position of being able to strengthen your tibialis anterior and do dorsiflex Exercises. The great thing about this device is you can also do inversion and eversion loaded, which is very, very difficult to do basically, uh, very, very basically with a resistance band. And my biggest criticism of using resistance bands for these types of exercises is you don't strengthen the muscle in a lengthened, in a when it's in a lengthened position at the starting position, which is one of the most very beneficial and most important parts of doing a full exercise, particularly from a hypertrophy perspective, you want to strengthen that muscle throughout the entire range of movement motion, not just from one aspect of the range of motion by doing resistance bands. And so this becomes a really, really important area, not only for hypertrophy purposes, but for overall functionality as well. So don't skimp on your tibialis anterior, although it might not be the sexiest muscle in the world and not the most uh, uh, targeted for most people. It is one that is very, very important for your overall function. And if you want the most out of your squats and your deadlifts when it comes to building that booty and building those legs, you need to make sure that your ankles are doing their job. Now, without further ado, let's get to the daddy of them all. And I know this is what everyone's usually waiting for, and that's targeting those glutes, all right? And the glutes are not only one of the sexiest muscles of all time and one of the most desired by most people when it comes to training and getting involved in fitness programming, but it also it also is the one that requires the most degree of finesse when it comes to which exercises you're choosing to get the most out of it. And so, as we know, as we started this episode... The squat and the deadlift are going to be very, very beneficial for building your glutes. All right. Not only does it allow you to place a great degree of actual mechanical load on those muscles, but is no better than doing the glute hip thrust when it comes to building them. And so, over time, as long as you're applying those three great principles of mechanical load, muscular tension, and muscle damage in your progressive overloaded program, squats and deadlifts are going to do just fine for building that ass. And so, with that being said, as well, glute hip thrusts can can be very beneficial and is a great way to add volume to your glutes, especially if you're an individual who wants to emphasize your glutes without overemphasizing your quads, which tends to be most beneficial for specific athletes in the bodybuilding profession who are having a specific desired look when they step on stage. And I am all for that. That is particularly okay. I do not disagree with that approach because when it comes to bodybuilding and physique competiting, you are trying to get a desired look. And if you want to be able to step on stage for the purpose of being able to get your pro card or being able to look a certain way, then you need to make sure that you're target specific uh, muscle groups in certain ways without emphasizing others. The glute hip thrust is a great way to help emphasize your gluteus maximus without over-targeting the quads. So really great way to hit your glutes. Doing glute glute hip thrusts are beneficial, and you can do them in many other ways. You can do them single-legged, which tends to be very, very difficult. You can do them with bands. You can do them with dumbbells. You can be very, you can be very, very creative with how you're doing your glute hip thrusts, and no, they are not a unigender exercise. I usually get all my guys to be doing these exercise too. I personally invested in a Brett Contreras hip thruster due to the fact that I've learned over the years that your glutes are one of the most, if not the most important muscle in the human body. Not just for aesthetic purposes and building muscle, but from functionality as well. And when your glutes do not function well, your body does. Does not function well. And so prioritizing building the glutes is super, super important when it comes to anyone who struggles, not only from a perspective of wanting to build muscle, but having overall functionality in the body as well. And so glute hip thrusts, great option. Single legged glute hip thrusts, great. Glute hip thrusts, isometrics, wonderful. Load it up, Get them in your program. Other ways to help build your glutes, and we cannot forget these as well, are going to be any of the other exercises we talked about today that puts the hamstrings in a lengthening position like the RDL. The RDL also forces you to have to drive through hip extension, which requires your gluteus maximus as its primary mover. Another great way to load up on those glutes. However, there are other aspects of your glutes that sometimes go underlooked that also need a lot of attention, and that is your glute medius and your glute minimus. And this is some of the most problematic areas that cause issues in a lot of people when underdeveloped. These particular aspects of your glutes, if underdeveloped, can relate in stabilization issues, muscular imbalances, they can relate in asymmetrical imbalances, that can cause issues with people having lower back pain or spinal related issues. They can cause a world of hell for a lot of people if they go unchecked. So when it comes to building your glute, your glute medius and minimus, we also need to make sure that we have a variation of multi-planar movements when it comes to building our glutes, not only for muscular hypertrophy, but for building function. And some of my highest recommended exercises for this area are, let's go through a bunch. And so some of the most basic ones that you'll see most often on social media is simple lying hip abductions. And any type of exercise where you are abducting your leg out to the side is gonna target that glute medius. But what we need to understand though is if you have hip-related issues or hip over-dominance issues from sitting too often and have a really, really tight TFL, it will make it very, very difficult for you to target that glute medius. So what I have a lot of people do is initiate the hips into hip extension prior to doing any abduction movement. This is going to disengage your TFL hip flexor muscle and allow you to get a full activation out of your glute medius. And so when you're doing your side-lying hip abductions or you're doing uh, standing hip abductions with a band or a particular type of weight, put your glutes into hip hip extension first by driving your leg backwards, activating your glute maximus, and then taking your leg into hip abduction, and you'll get a much greater contraction out of your glute medius. You can do this from a number of ways, doing this with a dumbbell attached to your leg or utilizing using a plate with the tip bar guy. You can do this in very many different variations. You can do this with bands, um, but I find that the most beneficial way to do this is by being able to have a constant load placed upon the movement throughout a full range of motion, which you cannot do with a resistance band. And so this is why i am been getting more and more on board with either getting uh, strapped up ankle weights put onto your leg or with the benefit of the solo tip bar guy, being able to put a weight loaded plate or dumbbell strapped to your foot as well and doing it that way so that you can get your leg all the way down below your axial spine and be able to get your glute meat strengthened from an, uh, a fully length position all the way up to the top. And so this can be a great way to utilize a variation of bands, and dumbbells, and or weight plates in order to get the most out of building that particular muscle. Other great ways of building your glute max are any stabilization exercise. When you're doing basic stabilization exercises, when let's say I'm doing a standing hip abduction with a band, utilizing the stationary leg oftentimes and resisting that leg going to the opposite leg going to the outside is another great way to strengthen the isometric function of your glute medius which is also very very important for the overall stabilization function of the glute medius and keeping your pelvis neutral and so very very great ways to do this this is why side bridge holds are also fantastic for your glute medius there is multiple different ways to do these online i'm sure you've seen many variations There. The side plank clamshell that Brett Contreras has showed over and over again, which is a really great way to not only get good hip abduction but also encourage hip extension at the same time. You can also do this with a band, you can also do a DNS. Uh, row hip extensions. That's another great exercise, also coined as DNS stars that you might have seen with EXO's performance. Really great way to put a lot of emphasis on on the outer part of your glute and that glute med. And then doing things such as split squats with a band where you're pushing into abduction is another great way to be able to hit that glute medius as well. And so lots of different ways to hit that glute medius, but as, as long as you're finding what works for you, creating variation and putting more time under tension or even more load and causing muscle damage is what's going to help that area grow not only in size but but also in function. And when it comes to the glute minimus, you will get much activation by utilizing a lot of these exercises as well. And so highly recommended that we really put a lot of focus into these exercises. One caveat to when it comes to building your legs is you also must make sure that you have proper core function and stability. If you're lacking in core function, it'll be very, very difficult to get the most out of your leg development, which is why it is so important to make sure that you have a great, great overarching balance program that targets the major muscle groups of the entire body so that you can get the most out of your functional exercises. And when it comes to help building your legs, something that's also very important that has gained more and more attention is that mind-muscle connection. Especially from a hypertrophy perspective, actually thinking about the muscles that you're using can actually be very, very beneficial in causing better contractions, better control, and getting the most out of the exercises that you're doing. So if you want to build that boot, If you want to build those legs... Not only do we want to do it from a strength perspective, but if you want to do it from a hypertrophy perspective, focusing on taking your time, doing the exercises correctly is going to be one of the most important things you do when it comes to the development of your physique. This has been the Gluten Legs Masterclass. As always, be sure to continue to seek out Evolve for great new information. We actually have a link down in the description where you could qualify for a free month of training with the evolve coaches so that you can get after your aesthetic goals with your lower body. Be sure to click on that link and sign up for the application, and you might just be reached out to for a full month of training. But here's what you got to do. You got to post one of your best takeaways from this episode on your story. Tag Evolve HP and tell us your biggest love from that episode. And you might just qualify to be getting a free month of coaching and full personal training and nutrition guidance from Evolve Health and Performance. We can't wait to see you. Be sure to put your name in there ASAP so that we can help you get after your fitness goals. For all of the things fitness, be sure to continue to watch us on social media. Be sure to sign up for all the great announcements that we'll have on our channels. And as always, continue to become the next evolved version of yourself. I've been Coach P and I'll see you in the next one. I'm out of here. If you liked today's episode, please be sure to drop a like, share it with all your friends, and give us a great review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to work with the best in the business, please be sure to head over to all of our social media webpages at Evolve Health and Performance. Us at Evolve, we're trying to make you the best athlete of all time and realize your full potential. Stay tuned for all future episodes where we bring you the best guests and features for everything health, fitness, and wellness. For everything Evolve, stay tuned. Coach P's out.